everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're talking a little bit about what we learned at the fair. And we're talking about how important this upcoming election is, whether we're talking on a state level, on a local level, or on a on a federal level. This is really, really, really important. Steve Simon tweeted out yesterday, new voter registration numbers. As of yesterday, 52,644 new Minnesota voters have registered to vote in 2018. He, t- he tweeted, of that number... 67, 67.6% were between the ages of 18 and 30. 10% of 10, I'm sorry, 10 of the new voters were over the age of 100. Uh, does that send warning bells off to you? Because it should. What nursing home did they go to to get a bunch of people over the age of 100, of, of 100 who were not registered voters? And I just want to know how many of them were legally now going to be legal registered voters. I don't want my vote nullified. I want to make sure all those checks and balances are in place so that we have honest and fair elections. Uh, we've seen some stuff uh, happening here, uh, getting ready to ramp up uh, issues that you know will be very important in this upcoming legislative session. Uh, yeah, Dario, more important than uh, 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds access to tobacco. They are legal adults, you know. Um, but you saw lobbyists for the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, and the PGA all have registered new lobbyists in Minnesota. And you know there's going to be talk about the sports betting debate. You just absolutely know it. Uh, I also think, um, you know... The media in Minnesota, they just stink. It's just absolutely appalling. You saw the Star Tribune have a huge story about Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson's husband filed for bankruptcy. And I thought for sure the next day they were going to have a story about Tina Smith and how her husband has between 500 and a million dollars in a hedge fund based in the island territory of Bermuda where there's no corporate tax, no income tax, no capital gains tax, no nothing. But of course they let, you know, that double standard is there all the time. They let, uh, they let Tina Smith slide. There's, you know, if, and, and put the shoe on the other foot. If that was a Republican, we would see entirely different coverage on that. Uh, and it's the same with Dayton's trust fund in South Dakota and all of that other stuff. It's just absolutely uh, absolutely crazy. One of the other things that, that's happening in Minnesota and I want people to pay attention to is come January 1st, the minimum wage earners in Minnesota are going to get, yes, another, uh, uh another minimum wage increase and large, um, large employers, the state has to announce every August, whatever it is, uh, what the increases will be because this increases annually every January 1st. So they have to give the businesses a heads up. So in, I don't know, maybe it's September 1st, they come out and they tell people, uh, they tell the businesses what the minimum wage is going to be raised by. This is absolutely ridiculous. No increased productivity. And I want you to think of this. Every time the government steps into the labor market, every time they interfere, it means people are having, there's less productivity, there's less profit. Sometimes that's not, there's not enough profit to even keep that business open. So instead of having a higher paid minimum wage job, they may have 
no job at all. Not to mention it raises the costs for us as consumers. It raises the costs for for every single thing that that we need and do. So all of a sudden you're fifteen dollars an hour or ten dollars an hour. In this case it will be um It'll be nine eighty six an hour unless you're in Minneapolis. If you're in Minneapolis, they have their own minimum wage of eleven twenty five an hour for large employers and ten twenty five for small uh, for small uh, businesses. But I want you to I want you to understand this because Mary Kunish Podine tweeted out, "Oh, this is a good step in the right direction." Keep in mind the living wage for Minnesota is eleven ninety six. Uh, we're not there yet. We need we need to have a higher wage. And and this is how ridiculously ignorant about economic issues these legislators are. You wonder how did they ever get elected when they don't understand simple economics. You had John Lesh retweeted a salon story and said that the Minnesota House of Representatives Representatives needs to have the DFL majority on November 6th, 6th so they can have so they can pass earned sick and safe leave. They're so ignorant. I can't hardly stand it because when you interfere with that labor market, uh, face it, people, would you rather have the money or would you rather have benefits you probably won't use? It, it is that simple. You wonder why for so long you didn't get a raise? It's because your businesses were spending so much money for health insurance. Not care, health insurance. That half the time is so expensive you can't even use it. This is just so destructive, so damaging uh, to not only small businesses, but to the individual to, uh, that we're going to have to address, which is another reason you don't want to hand over any majorities uh, to the Democrats. Also this past week, a Minnesota administrative law judge upheld new rules so based on a law change thanks democrats well and republicans help too i'm not going to just blame the democrats on this one stupid democrats stupid republicans uh so in the 2020 presidential primary it's going this law that they passed will require people to attest to an agreement to party principles before they can be given a ballot and the ballot that they choose is going to become public record. Can you think about what might go wrong with that? That's a topic for another day, but still really important. Okay, uh, a lot of our, I, I've told you over and over and over again, we government has no business subsidizing campaigns. None, absolutely none. But here in Minnesota... Uh, government does hand out money to campaigns. So the publicly, the public subsidy payments have been, uh, have been, they figured out what they're going to be. They're an appropriation from the state general funds and it's based on a checkoff that's included on your income tax and property tax forms plus an additional million dollars from the state general fund and then they they hand this out you can go to the campaign finance board and get the get the money but basically what they're doing these subsidies if you're um democrats check off the box of money more than republicans do so tim waltz is going to get four hundred and seventy six thousand dollars i'm rounding these numbers um for his governor's race, Jeff Johnson is going to get three hundred and fifty-eight thousand. Uh, Keith Ellison is going to get ninety-five thousand dollars for his AG race. Doug Wardlow is going to get seventy-two thousand uh, dollars. Secretary of State um, Steve Simon will get fifty-four thousand uh, dollars. 
Uh, Howe will get $41,000. State Auditor. Oh, oh, that's Blaha. Blaha? Uh, Whatever her name is. The Democrat gets $54,000, and Pam Myrell get $40,000. In the House of Representatives, the DFL is going to get $631,000 in subsidies, and the Republicans are going to get $389,000. That's just absolutely incredible when you look at all that money out there. Uh, All right. Stan's yelling at me. We're going to take a quick break. When we're going to, when we come back, I think we'll take a look at some of these, uh, some of these poll results. And I have to say, I liked the Senate one better than I liked the House one. The Senate had some 5,000 people took the Senate's annual state fair opinion poll survey and the House had mm, 8,000. So there were some really interesting numbers here and it shows you how, uh, People just really, they really don't understand policy. They really don't understand the issues or, and they vote with their feelings instead of with their brain. And a lot of times it sounds so good until you hear the rest of the story or until you find out how much it costs or until you find out how it's going to take away your freedom and your choices and your decisions and give that power and control to the government and I'll tell you one of the things that I've seen, which this is on both of them, I think, um, is about texting and driving. People want a law to pa- to put a, a, a law so that people will stop texting and driving. It's not going to stop texting and driving, people. Don't give them that kind of power to pull you over and take your phone away. Oh. Drives me crazy. Okay, okay, I know, Stan. We're taking a quick break. We'll be back. There's more. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. How you doing? You know, Stan, one minute I think it's cooling down in here, and the next minute I'm sweating again. Oh. So I'm telling myself it's, it's getting it's cooler, but yeah, it's not. Uh, all right. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened at the fair survey. I'm not going to go too deep into these because at 430, we're going to talk about some local issues. And some of these issues can be addressed again at uh, when we're talking about it at the local level. Uh, but it's clear from uh, some of the incredible numbers that we see in some of these things um like for example how little people know about guns or how um how ignorant they are about um where our money goes in the state of minnesota it's just absolutely astonishing so there were 12 questions in the minnesota house of representatives survey uh question number one should criminal background checks be required on all gun sales including private transactions and at gun shows 89.3% said yes, and it shows you most of the people have never bought a gun. Um, The number two, should grocery and convenience stores be allowed to sell beer, wine, and distilled spirits? We have seen that number hovering in the 60s and 70s for quite a while. This year, 64.3% said yes. Uh, Maybe they'll push for that this year. I know bars and uh, MAD and some of the other uh, alcohol places don't want to see that happen. Liquor stores don't want to see that happen. And there also is a serious issue with selling uh, 
beer and strong beer and wine and even liquor at grocery stores uh, because so many underage people work at grocery stores. They think that it's easier for them to get uh, to to get their hands on it or sell it to their underage friends or whatever the case case may be. This is the one that just make me made me absolutely furious. Uh, should pharmaceutical companies be charged a fee for every opioid painkiller they sell? The so called penny a pill plan. Sixty five point seven people said yes. Are they, are they stupid? It drives up the cost, drives up the cost of opiates for people who have serious pain issues, for people who have undergone, I don't know, maybe a surgical procedure or have some horrible disease. And all it does is 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 force them to pay more, uh, hurting the people who need the pain pills, not the drug addicts, not the people who are, are selling them on the street, not the illegal drugs that are coming across the border. It's just so short-sighted and so ridiculous of people yeah 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 let's charge it for who uh, for uh let, let's charge those evil pharmaceutical companies wake up people think about this kind of stuff uh should i oh this is clever because we're going to talk about this oh if we don't get to it this week we'll talk to it next week um should school districts be required to establish threat assessment teams, which include school officials and local law enforcement, to intervene when a student is displaying behavior that may cause harm to other? 57.8% said yes, 20% said no, and 22% were undecided. Uh, how much power do you want to give those schools? And when they talk about the, when they talk about the, um, um, prison to school to prison pipeline there's some truth to that there there really is so that that would be something obviously people understood that there was a problem with this which is why you saw it spaced out uh with some 42 41 42% who said no we're going to we're going to think about that uh should Minnesota allow the recreational use of marijuana for those 21 and over 56% of the people said yes i think that's really interesting uh the US Supreme Court recently ruled sports gambling cannot be limited to Nevada should Minnesota legalize and regulate sports gambling uh, 40% said yes, 41% said no, and 17% was undecided. That's going to come up this legislative session. That will be an interesting thing to watch. I tell people repeatedly that the the Indian tribes have a have a strong hold on gambling. Thanks for nothing, my catch. Have a strong hold on gambling in Minnesota. That'll be interesting to see what happens with this Um and of course, the, there's a question about minimum wage, which shows how ignorant most people are about bars and restaurants and minimum wage and tipped employees versus non-tipped employees. Some 57% of the people said they don't believe in a tip credit, which is ridiculous. Uh, should adults between the ages of 18 and 60 who get, listen, we talked about this one before. Look at how, how intricate they had to be because Democrats jumped all over this one. So they had to spell it out. So even dummies could understand it. Should adults between the ages of 18 and 60 who do not have a disability and are not sole caregivers of a child or incapacitated family member be required to work for at least 80 hours per month in order to receive Medicaid benefits? Did you see how they had to qualify it? That was spread out all over the board, too. Uh, here's an interesting one. Should elder care facilities be required to allow families to place required 
to allow families to place electronic monitoring devices, such as cameras, in the rooms or private living spaces of residents in order to monitor their care and well-being. 67.6 people said that they want the government to, to, they want facilities to be required to allow families to place electronic monitoring of their, of their loved ones in a, in a, in a, um, in, 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 that, in a facility. Why don't you take your mom or dad to your house where you can keep an eye on them? Uh, I realize we get to the point where, where it might be past that, but oh my gosh. Um, here's another one. Should the state constitution be amended to require revenue from the sale of auto parts and repairs uh, be dedicated to fund road and bridge transportation as if they haven't screwed up transportation funding enough already. Now they want to try to screw it up more. How about we just focus on roads and bridges people? Uh, some cities, including Minneapolis and St. Louis park have banned certain types of plastic, non-recyclable to go containers at residents at restaurants. Should Minnesota institute a statewide ban on these types of containers? 68% of the people said yes. 68. Now I realize this, this poll took place in the education building, so I get who's taken this poll, but you can't really be that, be that, uh, ridiculous, can you? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe people want to ban to go containers and straws and everything else. I, I just don't think your average person, uh, believes government needs to inter, interfere in this. I just had, uh, dinner at a restaurant in Minneapolis. They gave me my food to go in a container. Well, lucky I put it in a different container when I got home because the cardboard box was not only falling apart, but my food was all dried out because all the air could get into it. So thanks for nothing, you guys. Um, and this is the last one from the Minnesota House of Representatives. Would you support increasing fees? Stan, this one's for you. Would you support increasing fees to help maintain the state's parks and trails? Some 72.7% said yes. Are they stupid? Are they stupid? I mean, how many, how many different revenue sources do we have to have to maintain our parks and trails? To maintain. Apparently a lot of them, and they're building more, so. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Unless it's, people are doing it, I think that's part of it, too. So they don't have the money train coming as much, so they okay, may raise they the prices. They got a money train. They're, pay, they're using it on ridiculous, stupid stuff. Ridiculous. I should come on your show and talk about that sometime. I think I would I'm like sure that. sure they'd love it. I know. I think so, too. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I lost track of time here, so we're not going to have a chance to go through the Minnesota State uh, Senate survey poll. But I thought it was really interesting because the Senate staff gave us really interesting data on the demographics of the of the 5,100 people who took the Senate um, fair poll. Um, 37% were from Minneapolis, 12% were rural, 44% were suburban, uh, 3% came... Well, that came... explains your answers right there, so... Minneapolis and the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, well, what do you expect? It's the state fair. It's in Falcon Heights. Yeah, of course that would be the bulk of them. I'm actually surprised there weren't more rural. You know, only 12%. I think that's really shocking. Uh, and apparently people from Rochester, Duluth, St. Cloud, Mankato, and Moorhead don't go to the fair because only a tiny number of people did that also the age numbers were interesting ages 18 to 24 they only had like seven percent uh 25 to 34 percent were 13 percent 
35 to 49 was 16 percent. 50 to 64 was 31 percent. 65 and older, 31 percent. Yeah. And again, it's the questions like texting and driving. It's the question about what time should schools start. Uh, It's the um, they had a much better question on what would be the best way to provide additional state level funding for roads and bridges. You don't need additional funding. You need to focus the money where we ne- where we have priorities that need to be addressed, primarily congestion. Uh, but it, it actually asks you, ask, do you want to increase the gas tax? Do you want to increase the sales tax paid on newer used vehicles? Do you want to increase, uh, license tab fees? Do you want to have, um, the existing tax on auto parts specifically going towards roads and bridges? They, they actually had a lot of different answers. It wasn't just, uh, we're going to steer you down one route or the other. And I really, really appreciated that. Ooh, Stan, they had a question about anglers. Anglers have debated whether muskies are causing harm to the walleye population in Minnesota lakes. Should the legislature prohibit muskies from being stocked in waters where they haven't previously been stocked? We don't have enough time to answer that one. Yeah, tune in to Stan's show. For, We've talked about that. It's it's a pretty heated issue. It is a heated issue, and it's a complicated issue. It's just it's just like the walleye, the netting, the all of that up there, and that's why you should all listen to Stan's show, which comes up next as as well. Um, and it, there were questions about taxes. There were uh, there was even a question about the uh, about our Minnesota Voters Alliance uh, Minnesota Voters Alliance v. Mansky. It said the U.S. Supreme Court in June struck down a Minnesota law that prohibited political apparel in polling places because it violated freedom of speech protections granted by the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. However, the court indicated that some kinds of political clothing and accessories can be prohibited in polling places. What should Minis- what should be Minnesota's policy towards wearing political apparel? And I'm happy to say it was uh it was a pretty interesting result. 35% said there should be no restrictions. 43% said that there should be a prohibition that refers to candidates or ballot questions that appear on the ballot in that election. Uh you did a good job. Minnesota Senate, you did a good job writing those questions. Uh, now we're, it's clear to see how we need to educate people, uh, to understand that a policy is more than just a simple question, that it's much more than just, uh, oh, how do we feel about this? You actually have to think about this. You have to have a little bit of knowledge of, of what the state budget is already spending on some of these things. What are the existing laws that are, that are already on the books? And, and you have to not only accurately assess the problem, but you have to accurately look at, uh, what are the revenue sources in place and are they effective? Are they, are they working? I, I stood at a door in a house in Fridley this week and I was trying to tell this guy that there are some 40 different revenue sources for early education in Minnesota. And he looks at me, 47 year old guy looks at me and says, isn't that a good thing? And I said, it's a good thing if they work, but they don't work. You can't keep throwing money at these problems and keep expecting and keep expecting people to be satisfied with just throwing good money after bad. You have to address the fraud. You have to address the waste. You have to address the abuse. And you know what? As taxpayers, it's the, it's, 
our legislators owe it to us to be responsible with our tax dollars, to give us the most bang for the buck, not to see their friends get rich on some green energy policy or some nonprofit that they're running or some daycare that they're that they're running. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. OK, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch to some local stuff. I told Stan, I have so many local stories to talk about. Uh, today, uh, one from Atlanta, one from Golden, Colorado, all the rest are from Minnesota. And I just highlighted two of them that I wanted to focus on. And then there are a, a, a couple others. I, and you know what, Stan, we're not going to get to education. It was the start of school. So I had a whole bunch of education things that, that I wanted to, that I wanted to talk about. We have and- nine more months of school left. So. We're good. Yeah, but you know what? These 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 numbers that came out on the math and reading numbers, especially in Minneapolis and St. Paul, they are appalling and they are shameful. And I can't believe we are still sending children to these schools. And I wanted to talk about uh, the five politically p- correct things that freshman orientation should um, should prepare you for. And oh my gosh, I had. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to try to I'm going to try to fit it in. Maybe when we come back, I'll talk about it because there is a school district in Massachusetts that their attempt to prepare for an active shooter instance in their in their classroom is by equipping classrooms with blue buckets uh, that contain um, a hammer, a wooden doorstop block, duct tape and rope. Things that are to be used in case of an emergency school lockdown or a shooter situation. It's nuts, Stan. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. Every week I talk to you about the out-of-control local politicians. Every week I talk to you about how, how important it is that, that you pay attention to what's going on in your city and in your county. And the, the city councils and the county, com- county commissioners, they're doing so much more than just making sure your roads are plowed, if they are, uh, and doing so much more than making sure public safety. They're intruding into almost every single aspect that you can possibly imagine. Uh, most of them this past week or so have been getting together to talk about their supplemental budget. So you remember a few months ago when they came out and said, yeah, we're going to raise your taxes by oh, 10, 12, 15 percent. Yeah, we lied. We're really going to raise them even higher than that. Well, there is a public hearing on the 2019 supplemental budget in Hennepin or in Ramsey County on September 11th. Uh, and yeah, they will certify the max 2019 property tax levy on the 18th so in other words your cities and counties have these meetings and they invite you in to to have you had to have a public hearing to have you weigh in on this supplemental budget and then they'll ignore what you said and just raise your taxes anyway uh and a lot of times they expect no pushback from it i know in new brighton 
People are so mad because not only are you seeing ridiculous increases at the city level, but also at the county level. Yeah, it's crazy. And do you know that 2040 plan that the Met Council requires? Did you know even Three Rivers Parks District has to have a 2040 plan in place? Even the the, the Three River Parks District. So, yeah, they're going to have a meeting, too, and you can go weigh in on that, and then they'll just ignore you and go ahead and, and uh, start address that. But I talk about how uh, you've really got some crazy, out-of-control local entities who are doing some really crazy stuff. Golden Colorado is on the top of my list this week. Golden Colorado voted to or is voting going to vote on raising on changing the voting age to 16. And I thought, oh my gosh, did Phyllis Kahn move to Golden, Colorado? Nope, nope, she's still in, in Minneapolis. But what the heck is, is Golden, Colorado thinking to allow 16-year-olds to vote? And if they're going to allow 16-year-olds to vote, then they sure as hell better pay for their own health insurance, too, because no point in them being allowed to vote and still getting to feed off mama, mommy and daddy, right? I mean, shouldn't they be getting out, getting well, a job in their like own place? or 26? Yeah, then. or 30. Maybe we should just make it 30, you know? Depends yeah. on which side you're on. The Democrats probably would like it to be 12, <laughs> where the Republicans would probably like it to be. A yeah, older. you know the legal age is 18. Either you're adult at 18 or you're not. You know, and it just irritates me. The Atlanta mayor signed an executive order to permanently stop accepting ICE detainees in the city jail. Uh, this is an executive order that a mayor signed. Now, if I were a resident of Atlanta. I'd be furious because why should this mayor come in and sign an executive order to permanently stop accepting ICE detainees at at the city hall? She said, as we work to achieve our vision of an Atlanta that is welcoming and inclusive with equal opportunity for all. Ooh, how many buzzwords can we get in one sentence? Uh, she said, it is untenable for our city to be complicit in the inhuman immigration policies that have led to the separation of hundreds of families at the United States southern border. Uh, you know what, lady? That is not your job. And I hope the federal government sues her. And you're going to see other cities follow along with these kinds of with these kinds of ideas too. Minneapolis. Minneapolis just joined the Amicus brief supporting high fuel efficiency vehicles. Really, Minneapolis? Really? Don't you have higher priorities? Like, oh, I don't know, the homeless camp down on Hiawatha. They keep they keep working away on that on that homeless camp. They now have a mobile police camera that has gone up near the the homeless encampment encampment. Uh, and of course, last weekend or last week, someone opened fire. Uh, on the camera, so which can't surprise anyone. And we keep hearing over and over and over again how they're going to fix it and and address it. Probably the story that irritated me the most this past week uh, was the halftime show uh, from at Farmington High School marching band. The leaders of the marching band made changes to their halftime show because, go figure, they had tons of complaints, as they should, uh, and the complaints came from supporters of Donald Trump. You know what? I bet the complaints came from not just Donald Trump supporters. I bet they came from a lot of people who don't want that kind of political message on their football field from their band at during the halftime show. The performance of Dystopia during last Friday's game sparked emails and phone calls. 
the Farmington High School principal, Dan Pickens, who attended the game, said the show built dramatically to kind of a cool ending when the word resist was spelled out on 10-foot boards. He said it was really the word that rubbed people the wrong way. And then, what a liar. What a liar, this guy says. You know what he says? He says, unbeknownst to me, it has a different meaning today. Would anyone in there, anyone, anyone not know that resist was against Trump? Anyone, Stan, anyone? Yeah, I wouldn't think so, not in yeah, this uh, no. day and age. Okay, and, 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 and this guy is the high school principal at Farmington. He, yeah, you need a new principal out at Farmington. Um, they For Trump's opponents, they say resist has become a shorthand for pushing back against the president and his policies. The stupid principal at Farmington said people were taking it politically when it wasn't supposed to be. Baloney. Well, what were they resisting Baloney. then? What resisting were they resisting? resisting what were? the cops? Yeah, with their fists raised in the air. What What were they? Uh, so anyways, a day after the performance, the Marching Band Facebook page explained that the show was inspired by George Orwell's novel 1984 and the Hunger Games books and movies. Yeah, liars. I read, I read one Maybe of the Maybe they were stories. saying they resist alcohol. Call and drugs. Maybe that's what was a family yeah. message like that. No, they were all they were all liars. The band leaders were liars. The principal was a liar. They knew exactly what they were doing. They had another football game last night, and they held up the words "unity" last night. And guess what? Nobody complained. Nobody complained. What a nice word. It sounds like they're backtracking to me. Yeah, of course they were. Of course they were backtracking. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible. Uh, Probably um, another one that irritated me so much is uh, we have seen so many cities try to address uh, gun violence. They have tried to, the gun grabbers have been busy at every level of government, but you're especially seeing a lot happening at the, at the city level. So um, I guess emboldened by the passage of a ban on new gun shops in Eden Prairie. The St. Louis Park City Planning Commission met last week. They were trying to ban all home-based federal firearm dealers. And I really want to thank the guys at the Gun Owner Caucus who got everybody riled up about this and said, hey, St. Louis Park, no way. First of all, this was before the Planning Commission, and it was extremely difficult to find uh, contact information or email addresses or phone numbers for the commission members. And that's ridiculous. If people are going to make these decisions to infringe on your rights, you certainly better be able to get a hold of them. Uh, Rob Dorr went to the meeting, uh, did a great job representing all of us, all of us gun owners, and also encouraged people that if you're a resident of St. Louis Park or someone who works or visits uh, the shops there regularly to show up at the planning commission meeting and and weigh in on it. Guess what? I'm in St. Louis Park a lot, and I I just refuse to spend my money in cities who are going to overreach like this. Well, guess what? The thanks to thanks to the folks at the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus because you know what? The meeting didn't go the way the gun grabber city council was hoping it would go. People got up there and and. So, well, so, and showed up, and then what some of the 
some of what was said by the commissioners. I will sell my house and move if this port ordinance is passed. I do think this is discriminatory. Feelings have nothing to do with facts. What problems are we trying to to solve here? Any studies that support this move? Is there is there an issue that needs to be addressed? Great questions. I am so proud of people when they stand up and fight back. And you know what? Even if you're the one person standing up there uh, asking for answers to these questions, go get them because we cannot have our our city councils, county commissioners, even our state legislators, even our federal legislators come in with arbitrary and unreasonable ordinances. It's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, we're going to take a quick break when we're going to come when we come back. Uh, I'm going to go to St. Paul when we come back because St. Paul, they are, they are just city, the city council, St. Paul, they are just the gift that keeps on giving. And I have a friend of mine who I'm going to invite on next week who's going to tell us about his battle with the city, but there's some other stuff going on over there too. And I really, really do hope I get a chance to tell you about the school district that bought hammers and duct tape to try to try to thwart an active school shooter. If not, we'll get to that next week for sure. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. I'll tell you, between Minneapolis and St. Paul, they are just the gift that keeps on giving. I am just absolutely furious that... That parents are having to send their kids to Minneapolis and St. Paul schools. I am just absolutely furious that that the test scores uh, show show just a huge achievement gap, especially for students of of color. The math scores and the reading scores continue to decline. This is after billions of dollars from Mark Dayton and the Democrats. Well, and with Republican help, too. Uh, and it's just absolutely shocking that, again, we are sending children to these schools and then we wonder why why they can't succeed. It's just absolutely astonishing. It's shameful, Minnesota. It's shameful. And I still swear those schools should be shut down. Shut them down. They're too big. These kids get lost. They they get they fall through the cracks. They don't get the help they, and attention that they need. Uh, they're shut it down. Shut down Minneapolis and St. Paul. We'll figure out how we can educate these kids. Uh, but in Minneapolis and St. Paul, some of the policy decisions that they put in place give me so much to work with. Uh, the mandatory government garbage now hauling is just. I mean, that's just continuing on and on and on. It is unbelievable that your city council in St. Paul or Bloomington or wherever you are uh, think that you are too stupid to figure out how to, how to decide what garbage company you want to have. And then they put in place a one-size-fits-all program, and there's no right to... Op- opt out there's not an option for people who are low wasters or zero wasters or the people who want to recycle most or all of their waste it costs you more money because the city's running it so you have higher service rates and you also get assessed a yearly a yearly administrative fee it is just absolutely ridiculous. They have no business deciding what garbage company you should be on. And then to show you what a, what a scam it is out there, 
The Citizens League reported last week, they, they, they issued their report and they recommended that St. Paul adopt a $15 minimum wage. There are 14 weeks left to study the issue and most of the tough questions went unanswered, but they still issued a report that said, yes, St. Paul should adopt a $15 an hour minimum wage. I will tell you, like Minneapolis, if you own a business in Minneapolis or St. Paul, get out. Just get out. They think you are their ATM machine. They, you know, in the days of old, I told you this, I owned a bar and restaurant in 30, for 30 years in Minneapolis. In days of old, they understood if you kept the businesses fat and happy, you could tax the hell out of them. And it was true. But you know what? The, the policies that they put in place hurt so many businesses, and in particular, small businesses. They hurt, and, and minority businesses. Whether what they're doing to restaurants, bars, convenience stores, uh, it, any small business in the city of Minneapolis or St. Paul, folks, it is just not worth it. And you have a mayor who will cancel your Fourth uh, of July fireworks, but managed to find funding for make work jobs for students to come in and be an intern in his in an intern in his office. It is so troubling that the only place a lot of young, inexperienced people can find a, now, a job now is through some government program. And it should worry you, people. It should worry you a lot. Also. In the past week, uh, St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter proposed that the city's library system discontinue the practice of finding library patrons for failing to return checked out books and materials by the due date. So just take the books and keep them. Just take the books and keep them for as as long as you want. And, you know, if you don't ever bring them back, well, then you're going to have to pay for them. But but just take them. Because apparently my, uh, the majority of people owing fines and thus having their library privileges suspended is most prevalent in the poor communities. So he thinks the poor people and the minorities are too stupid to understand how a, a library book, how a library works. And if you are waiting for one of those books to come back, oh, sorry, tough you're out of luck. Somebody has it. They didn't return it. Nope. Too bad. Out of luck. I, and then they have to replace the books because they probably don't get a lot of them back, I'm guessing. Uh, they don't. So uh, Carter said that over 51,000 St. Paul residents currently have their library privileges suspended for outstanding fines. And the implementation of his plan would bring these people back to the libraries. He said, the mayor said he's going to wipe out $2.5 million in uncollected late library fees because the fines hurt the poor. There are no consequences. Um, There are no consequences if you take a book and don't bring it back. What do you think is going to happen, Stan? They're probably going to take more books, and then they'll have a garage sale and sell them. Yeah, you think? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's a great way to do it if you can get away with it. It It's absolutely astonishing that because people are poor, that all of a sudden you're relieved of the responsibility to return your library materials on on time. We have just redone millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of libraries, cities, counties, all of them, redone these libraries. Uh, And now all of a sudden... Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to bring them back on time. There's no personal responsibility for for all. Just forget about the late fees and, you know, just well, whatever. If you if you didn't pay your overdue fines, no biggie. And, yeah, why are there so few books on the shelves? Oh, well, you know, people didn't bring them back. Bummer. Sorry. Oh, I guess we need more money. 
It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Probably the biggest story, and and the story that I'm really excited, I'm hoping that my friend Lucky Rosenblum will come on next week and talk about this. Um, Lucky is being hassled by the city of St. Paul because he dares to put up Trump signs on the sidewalk. And you want to talk about a double standard. This is in Minneapolis and in St. Paul. There's one set of rules for some people. There's another set of rules for other people. There are so many rules and laws on the book. They can find any reason at all to come after you. But in this case, uh, uh, Lucky had a letter from the Department of Safety and Inspections regarding his Trump sign and another and other political signs, and they wanted them to be removed from the boulevard or be subject to a criminal citation. And Lucky said, whoa, 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 you go to Grand Avenue where all the white businesses are and all those signs can just sit out there. And Lucky is prepared to fight and Lucky, I'm behind you. And I, I want to talk to lucky this week it didn't happen so hopefully we'll see if we can get lucky to weigh in next week because this is absolutely ridiculous you don't get to have one set of laws uh, on the books for the people whose businesses are in grand avenue and another set for lucky's business and by the way that doesn't just happen there and dang it stan we didn't get to talk about the school district that buys hammers and duct tape to stop a school shooter so next well, week i guess it's better than not having anything right uh, next week with. we'll <laughs> next week we'll we'll talk about that plus next week i'm gonna have uh citizens council for health freedom matt flanders on to talk about some health care things that you should be really 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 worried about uh, and yeah, that's really troubling. And make sure you go sign up for Citizens Council for Health Freedom's annual fundraiser coming up at the end of September. If you can't go to the fundraiser, just write her a big fat check. Big fat, big fat check. All right, Stan, you have a great show coming up next. I hope the air conditioning is working next week. And everyone have a great week. See you Saturday. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 11.